Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Welcome to our online Easter experience today, everybody. Wherever you are watching from, in Canada, around the world, we welcome you as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus today. We have a few representatives, a very few in the room that are here for us today that are helping me to preach, uh, but we are way under the legal limit as we gather together today. But we are celebra- celebrating the most monumentous um, thing that has ever happened in human history this morning, the idea that the tomb is empty, that the, stole was, the stone was rolled away. And Jesus was resurrected. And, you know, when we think about this big event that has separated human history um, and Jesus coming to the earth and what it means for us, uh, it's so important for us to think think about. We've been spending about six weeks talking about miracles in the life and ministry of Jesus and things from the Old Testament. And we've been looking at a lot of different things. But what we're trying to do in this series is we want to talk about the idea of making room for a miracle in our lives, positioning ourselves to receive the power of God. And as the metaphor we've been using all of the time is when we're playing sports, and especially if you're playing basketball, my coach always taught me to face the person that has the ball. Why? Because at any moment, they're going to pass you the ball, so you have to be ready to receive. And it's the same way with God. We need to be facing God. We need to be opening ourselves up positioning ourselves when God wants to throw something in our direction. And this miraculous event that took place over 2,000 years ago is actually for everybody. This thing that happened, this miracle that happened that Jesus was raised from the dead actually means that there can be miracles in our lives, that we can experience miracles. So the scripture talks, uh, and we have been talking about uh, specific healings and provisions and all of those different things, and so we want to. We want to be in position. We want to make room for the miraculous in our lives. And we see through the life and ministry of Jesus that he was famous for miracles. Now, a miracle is a supernatural event, a divine act, transcending the ordinary powers of nature. And we think about Jesus, he saved his best miracle for last, his own resurrection. And when we think about the resurrection, what truth is contained in the resurrection? There's a really big idea as it relates to the resurrection and what it means for us and what it means for all of creation. And then there's a we idea that we would see in the resurrection, and then there's a me idea in the resurrection. So we're going to be talking about all those three things in this message. So, you know, as we've been going through this very interesting time uh, in the world, not just local, but around the world, it's amazing to see what we've been facing as the world and all of the things, the unnecessary things have been stripped away. And the things that we were arguing about a little while ago, nobody's arguing about them anymore. And what we would see on the news and what I would say that we would see contained in the resurrection and what the whole uh, quarantine has been about, about being in lockdown and being isolated, is this idea at the heart of it all is that people matter the most. 
And this is what has been on the news cycle and the numbers and things, and this is why we've uh, separated ourselves socially, all of these things. Why? Because there's this idea that people matter the most. But before this time, you know, we were arguing about the stuff we always argue about. There's political arguments and existential arguments and sports arguments and all of, and all of these things that we would argue about as a society and the world and economies and our countries arguing with one another. But all of a sudden, countries who were arguing with one another about ideology and about religion and about a bunch of different things, what would we all say? We all say with what we've just done is that people matter the most. And this is what is spoken about in the resurrection, in the story of Jesus, that for God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, is that people matter the most to God. See, and this is what we discover when everything else is stripped away. And we're just alone in our houses and, and we're all facing a common enemy. What is it? Is that people matter the most. And this is the purpose in the gospel, that the gospel story, the gospel message tells us that to God, people matter the most. And it's the thing that he's most interested in. So the big idea that we would see in the scripture, in the life and ministry of Jesus is the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse one tells us this. Now I remind you, the apostle Paul is writing, brothers of the gospel I preach to you, which you received in which you stand. We stand in the gospel, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, accordance with the scripture, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So Paul recounts for us from the scripture and then through the life and ministry of Jesus what the gospel message, gospel just means good news. It's a proclamation of good news. And he, and he goes through just in simple biblical terms what it means. Well, well, Jesus, and he died and he was resurrected on the third day according to the scriptures, according to as it was prophesied. And then for them, there was contemporaries who were still alive who Jesus appeared to. So kind of what Paul is saying, if this resurrection story seems outlandish to you, just go check with some of them because some of them are still around, even though some of them have died. That's what it means, falling asleep. There's a bunch of them still around that you can go and talk to them because they saw the resurrected Savior. So what our, our faith is centered around as believers in Jesus is this miraculous event of Jesus being resurrected. It's the big idea in the scripture. And what it should do, it should uh, produce the miraculous in us. That it should, we're opening ourselves to the miraculous big single event. And what we would see about this big idea as it relates to the gospel, that it isn't just an idea, it is actually about Christ himself that our faith is centered around Jesus, the person of Jesus, the risen Savior, not just a philosophy, not just a belief system, but the person of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is saying, that our whole identity in Christ is centered around him. John chapter 11, verse 25 says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus is saying. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So before his death and resurrection, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Once again, what were we, what were we fighting about before? Well, it was, an, it was ideas and, and thoughts and ideas that you have and ideas that I have, and then we don't agree on those ideas, and then what do we do? We fight. And this is the story of human history. And so there would be no set of ideas necessarily that we could all agree on as humans, but what we could see that the big idea is the person of Jesus. That our faith isn't just in a set of, an I, of ideas, it is God himself who came down in Christ and did something for us, accomplished something for us that we could never accomplish for ourselves. And so once again, this is the big idea that we would see all around us, that God has performed the thing that we would actually recognize and know that people are the most important thing. So this, once again, this, this event is not just a philosophy, but it is Christ-centered, that, he, uh, that all of creation was affected by the resurrection. Now, when we think about uh, religion or a philosophy versus the gospel, you know, we would have competing ideas, and people would want to debate these things and, and have a discussion about these things and how religions might compete with each other, and everybody would say, well, you know, there's there's some truth in every religion and every approach to God, but the gospel isn't actually about a philosophy. When we, when we think about man approaching God, or and this, this helped me so much as a young person, that people would say this phrase, well, this is just different ways up the mountain. In other words, at the top of the mountain is God, and then all of these other philosophies are just sort of different ways up the mountain. But the story of the gospel is that God isn't actually on the mountain type, that he came down off of the mountain. So it's not about us climbing up to God and, and trying to find out something about him. It's about God coming down to us and being where we are and experiencing life the way we experience it and, and, and doing something on our behalf, not just us trying to climb up. And this is why the gospel is Christ-centered it isn't just a philosophy. So this, this big idea in the scripture, again, that Christ has died for us and he's resurrected, it speaks to our reality as human beings. And this, the, the idea that at the cross, Jesus identifies with our sufferings. At the centerpiece of Christianity, and some people will wear, wear a cross around their neck, but they forget what it means. It actually means suffering. And this is a thing that we all have in common. We might not have backgrounds the same, we might not have the same skin color, we might not come from the same place, but what we all have in common as human beings is that at some point, we're going to suffer. We're going to go through a difficult time, we're going to lose a loved one. And the cross tells the story to us that God understands our suffering so much so that He identifies with our suffering. He knows what it means to be human, He understands. So he identifies that Christ himself, that God himself identifies with our suffering. Jesus experienced a death and a resurrection so that we can experience a resurrection in our lives. We see this call in the New Testament from Romans chapter 12 to live a transformed life. In other words, I'm not going to stay the same. 
So what does that mean? It, what, it means that the old me is going to die, and there's going to be a new me resurrected in his place, in Christ, that my brand new resurrected identity is no longer the old me in sin, but there's a new me. And then this transformation would take place, that all of us would be transformed, that none of us would stay the same. And I feel like we, as humans, we really believe this, that we need to learn and we need to grow and we need to change. And this is the big idea in the resurrection, that we are going to be transformed. And then number three, what we would see from the resurrection, from the gospel story, is that true love is sacrificial. We know that this is true. This is why Iron Man had to die at the end of Endgame. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Sorry. I figure you've had a year at least coming up. And you've been home, so you've had a chance to watch it. But we watch that, and it makes sense in any movie where the hero takes the blame, where the hero takes the fall for people who are innocent. We're like, yes, that is the story of humanity. And see, this is what God has put on the inside of us already. We can recognize the gospel story, and it's a story we can't get away from it. We keep telling it. And then we live it out. We know that this is what makes for successful marriages, successful parenting. What is it? That true love is sacrificial. And we see this in the gospel story. Also, we see in the gospel story, relationships that were bad were made right. Relationship that we didn't have with God was made right because of the gospel story. And that is our struggle as human beings. What? Broken relationships. We have trouble maintaining relationships without being angry at one another. And what God gives us and, and shows us is a relationship that is made right. So here we have, now that's the big idea, and here is the we idea, that in Christ we can actually have reconciled relationships with one another. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4 says this, the the Apostle Paul running to the church at Ephesus and he says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. So they they weren't quite understanding what it all meant that Jesus died and he was resurrected and he's going to explain to them a mystery, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. So he he unpacks a little bit this mystery. And the mystery, as he's saying, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body or family in Christ. Now, Jews and Gentiles were the only two groups that were recognized, once again, within the Jewish religion or within the Jewish race. So it was like the Jews and the Gentiles was everybody else. Every other race, every other creed, every other religion, it was just kind of everyone else. 
But what Paul is saying happened at the resurrection in the gospel moment is there was no longer an us and them. That God has made a way for all of us to have reconciled relationship. And where is it going to be? It's going to be in Christ. This is the mystery. Now, when we think about what, what is the problem with you and I? What is the problem that we can't get along sometimes? Like I said at the beginning, it's the same thing that we were arguing about before. What is it? It's ideas. We don't share the same ideas, right? I can argue about a lot of different ideas, about a lot of different things. And sometimes I just take an opposing view just for the fun of it. But we, and, and we, if we look at human history, people just don't get along for a thousand and one different reasons. And, and we separate ourselves for a thousand and one different reasons. And this happens today in our, you know, our, our 2020 educated minds. We think we're so advanced, but we're still fighting about the same things as the tribal generations did. Why? Because we're, we're not finding shared ideas. And then what happens, what, 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 what's being described in here is, is some immutable identity that they were separating themselves from. Now, I don't know, for, for me individually, you know, I, I'm, my dad's a pastor, so if it's an interesting experience growing up in the church, having your dad as a pastor. You're a PK, you're a preacher's kid. And so going to youth group, I had this very interesting experience that people hated me because I was a PK. And I'm kind of like, there's nothing I can do about it. This is just who I am. Have you ever had anybody hate you just for who you are? See, this happens in the world all of the time. People hate you because of where you're from. They hate you because of your skin color. They hate you because of your nationality. And we, once again, we thought we could get somewhere in 2020, but we're still fighting about the same things. And what are we trying to get people to do? We just want people to agree with our ideas. That we can have one common idea amongst the seven billion of us. That we could all agree on just an idea. Can we just, like, there's an idea that we could all agree on? And I would say that there isn't. But what brings us all together is that God invites us into his family. That we, I don't have this other identity anymore, that the identity that I'm claiming is the identity that I have in Christ, that this is the mystery, this will solve the world's problems. This will bring us together, not that we're going to agree on ideas, but we're going to agree that God is our Father, that God has called us all to be in His family. So it's not just an idea I have, but it's whose I am. See, and this is where unity can happen, and this is where we could stop fighting about the things if we just realize that God sent Jesus to die for all of us, and that people are the most important thing. God, it comes together in Christ, the person of Jesus. The gospel solves our, our big problems, and it solves our we problems. And he brings us together in the family of God. He invites us into his family. He invites us to say yes to his son. 
He invites us to put away our petty differences so that we can actually love each other. See, and this is the identity that I choose, even though I don't get along with certain people and their ideas, I'm no longer trying to get affirmation from them to agree with me. I can just love them. We can disagree, but I can still love you. Why? Because I'm not getting my identity from whatever, from being a PK. I'm getting my identity from Christ. And this is what God calls us to. Not just an idea, not just a philosophy that our identity would be in Him. And since I'm secure in that, even though you and I disagree, we can still love each other. We can still get along because we don't, we don't have to agree about everything, but God has called me to love you because he's what? He's bored out his love on the inside of me. I know that he loves me and he accepts me. Thank God for that. So we have this miraculous big idea event and we have a we idea and this is where it becomes so powerful for us. It becomes a me idea. Because, once again, I, I think the resurrection changed all of creation. It changed all of human history, which is true. And then if we would live out the we idea, it would change the world for, for the better. Man, and that's what church is all about, friends. Church is about all of us from different places and different backgrounds and all of these different saying, we're not saying this is my identity. My, hey, my identity is in Christ. That's why we can love each other. But then for me, how does all of this become important for me and meaningful for me and miraculous for me that I would accept this miracle that has taken place and it can be miraculous in my life? Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And here's where the rubber meets the road for us and the gospel. And this is where the realization of God sending his son because he loves us actually becomes so meaningful. That while I was a sinner, while I was pushing away from God, while I rejected God, while I wasn't interested in God, he was interested in me. While we were still sinners, while that was the identity that we were choosing, God, I'm just going to do my own thing. I know that you sent Jesus to die for me. I know that you, you made a way for me. I know that you did this for me, but I'm just not interested in that yet. I'm just going to do my own thing. In that moment, when we are rejecting him, true love died for us. while we were yet sinners. See, and if we take this big, miraculous, world-changing event and we make it personal, and we take a moment and just think about this, that the God of the universe was so interested in having a relationship with me that he just sent his son, and his son in that moment said, you know what, I'll die for them so that they can have a relationship with you. I will sacrifice myself. Why? Because people are, are the most important thing. There is no escaping that truth. 
And the reason we think that is because it's in us from the Spirit of God. It's a great story here in Luke chapter 18. Jesus is talking, uh, is comparing and contrasting two different people and how they would approach God. And it says in verse 9, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And he tells this parable, verse 10, two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. A Pharisee, someone that would know the scripture, that would be religiously educated. And then a tax collector, once again, the worst kind of sinner. See, they had them in two different categories in the New Testament. They were sinners and tax collectors. And the tax collectors were worse than the sinners because they were stealing from their own people. And so we, we see this just, what the story Jesus is telling is theoretically this Pharisee would have sort of an in with God because all of this religious training, all of the memorization of scripture, and then this person who's a tax collector would sort of have no chance at prayer time because he's just not good enough. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. Do you hear how this, this guy is praying? He's got his own resume and then he's super impressed with it. All of the stuff that he's doing and how amazing he is. But it is actually the wrong identity to choose. The ideas about myself. It's just here's, here's an idea and here's an idea and here's, here's what I think about myself, God. Don't you think I'm amazing too? And I thank you that I'm this, and I thank you that I'm that, and I thank you that I do all of these things, and I thank you like, that I'm not like this person. Contrasted with that, but the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his, his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Exalted to what? Exalted to a relationship with God. See, and this is a parable, but this is a moment that all of us have in our lives. When everything else is stripped away, when all, all of the issues of our life are put aside. There's moments that we all sit on our bed and we just have a realization about how much of a mess up we are. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Did you just, you know, you thought you were really smart, but then you kind of figured out, oh, man, there's just so many things I don't know. And, and I'm trying to be a, a good husband and I fail sometimes. And I'm trying to be a good dad and I, and I fall so short sometimes. But here just in a private moment with God, just humbly this guy is coming and he, and he beats his chest otherwise just, God, it's just you and me right now. God, be merciful to me. 
God, I need your mercy. Jesus said, this person over here is going to have a true, miraculous experience with God. That they're going to be justified. They're going to be changed forever in the presence of God. See, and this is where the big idea of the gospel shows up in everybody's life, if we're honest with ourselves. We're just not enough, friends. We just aren't. We're just not, we're just not good enough. But I'm so thankful that the love of God makes up the difference. Why? Because to God, people matter the most. And He shows up in our lives with His love. And He gives us a brand new identity in Himself. That we are found in Christ. That I don't have to come and I don't have to try to prove myself and how amazing I am and how confident I can be that I can just actually come to God, the creator of the universe, and just humble myself. And in that private, singular moment, God is there. Why? Because you matter the most. And you matter the most to God. See, and God is wanting to have this constant connection with you, this constant relationship with you. That's why he sent his son. Let's just pray today. Father God, we just thank you for the resurrection story. We thank you, Lord, for this big idea of the gospel. The good news about what Jesus did, this declaration of what you have accomplished for us. And God, we thank you, Lord, for what it means in our lives, in our relationships, that we can actually love each other because you love us. And God, I just thank you for what it means for me as an individual. That I can't actually justify myself. I can't actually make myself right with you with all of the good things that I might do, but you do offer your mercy to me. You offer your forgiveness to me. You offer your grace to me. God, I receive that again today. As we are celebrating the resurrection today, as we are celebrating the empty tomb that it is so meaningful for me as an individual Christ follower, that I can just rely on your mercy today. We thank you, Lord, for your love in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are watching online today and you have never taken a first step in your relationship with Jesus, Easter is a great time to do that as we celebrate the resurrection. I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I'm going to invite you to pray along with me just as a starting point in your, as your, in your relationship with God. Everybody here in the room is going to pray along with us. The gospel, the good news that we just talked about, that Jesus came and he died. God raised him from the dead, all so that we could have a relationship with him. We can't offer our morality to God. None of us are good enough. We can't create some sort of religion 
and try to climb the mountain, God doesn't accept our religion. But what he does is he gives us his own righteousness. He offers to us a free gift of a relationship with him. And all we have to do is say yes. So I invite you to do that today, to say yes to a relationship with God. Or maybe you're watching today and you kind of feel like at one time you were close to God and you feel distant from him today. Maybe something happened. Maybe you went through something. You know, God is not mad at you. God invites you close to himself again. You pray along with us as well. So everybody here in the room, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud together. God, today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross and you raised him from the dead so that we could have a relationship with you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So great. If that is you today and you're watching online, hey, we would love it if you would DM us on Instagram or if you would email us at info at thecitychurch.ca. We would love to send you some materials that will help you on your journey of faith. And also, if you live in the area, we invite you to be part of our church family. Whenever we can meet physically again, we gather at 9 and 11. Or maybe if you're not in the area, we encourage you to find a local church close to you, uh, get involved in community, uh, get an, find an opportunity to serve there at a local church. It'll be a fantastic thing for you to grow your faith. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.